0: So, my guest today is Solitaire Townsend. I'm Anthony Day, and this is the Sustainable Futures Report for Thursday, the 27th of July. I'm talking to Solitaire Townsend, one of the founders of Futera. She's an author, a sustainability expert, and an optimist, and that's always a good thing. She's been Named Sustainability Leader of 2023 by Adweek, she advises businesses on sustainability. And her recent book is The Solutionists, How Businesses Can Fix the Future. So, I'd say, welcome to the Sustainable Futures Report.
1: It's lovely to be here.
0: Now, you've also done a TED Talk uh, with an awful lot of views, I believe, where you explain how you are quite sceptical about your own industry, about... PR and the associated advisory bodies like the accountancy profession, the legal profession and everything else, which you uh, describe as the grease that oils the wheels of fossil fuels. So tell me how you can uh, be in the industry and still have (laughs) that view.
1: Well, after uh, several decades working in uh, the communications industry, should we say for the good side of the force in terms of sustainability, um, working on trying to change other industries from the food industry to the fashion industry, tech, I actually sort of realized that we're neglecting the industry of which we're actually a part. And much of it started when we became a founding B Corp here in the UK. We saw a lot of other um, industries and agencies becoming B Corps. And And it really just focused the mind on the fact that this is a huge industry. Professional services is worth $2 trillion a year, trillion dollars a year. And I don't know any large company that operates without an army of PR advisors, consultants, advertising execs that actually smooth the way and make things happen within them. And as an industry, we are playing both sides in a very, very serious way. So you have uh, the same agencies, the same ad and PR agencies, working sometimes for the NGOs and the campaigners, working for some of the sustainable brands who are also working for oil and gas. And I'm afraid those sort of that that option has passed. It, it's it's pick a side, pick a choice have some values, stand up for something, and let's use all of the creativity in this industry. And it's an incredibly creative industry, full of some of the most persuasive people that we have. Let's use that for the solutions, not to continue selling the problem.
0: Well, in your TED Talk, you said that well over 100 agencies said that they would reveal the clients that they worked for and and their involvement with fossil fuels and things like that now were they as good as their their word you said some of the big ones ignored you on that
1: yeah, so we have over 170 agencies and consultancies who have agreed to do these client disclosure reports. Now, um, uh, these client kind of disclosure reports are really simple. It just is a pie chart of your revenue by industry. You don't have to name your clients. You just have to say which industry they come from, um, and you know that's that shows whether you're who's paying you, who's paying your bills as industries. Now, actually, under the UN Race to Zero. Um, I was part of helping write the new criteria for the UN Waste to Zero, and actually client disclosure reports are in, they're recommended in those criteria for PR and advertising agencies, but still not one of the large agencies have agreed to do it. Because of course, not only would it reveal how much revenue they take from oil and gas, but also reveal how much revenue they take from tobacco.
0: No, right. Right, I understand you're just back from holiday. Unfortunately, you didn't experience the wildfires in the mediterranean and presumably not the floods in asia either but these extremes are emphasizing the urgency of our situation yet politicians are happy to row back and and kick this green issue, all the green issues around for electoral advantage which hmm. seems to be the height of a responsibility but are businesses going to go the same way and say oh it's too hard and backpedal if it if it is
1: um, very unlikely. So actually, I was on holiday um, in the great British countryside in the Cotswolds, where I went on a walking holiday and spent time in from Avon, which I've done many times over. And actually, I was really shocked walking through um, some of the national uh, trails, the Cotswolds way, the lack of butterflies and insects. And of course, if you're my age and have been around for a half a century, I remember when you know you'd be plagued by them, They'd be everywhere, and um, it was actually kind of, sort of annoying when walking through the countryside, the amount of flies and butterflies, etc., would be around, and it was extraordinary. Spotting a butterfly on a full day, thirteen mile walks was a big moment, and we'd point out to each other, me and my friends, that would seen on. So we are in this very, very, very serious moment, and the vast majority of the public are very aware of that. And in fact, with the wildfires, with the um, extreme heat, with the flooding that's happened, particularly in Europe and North America, and also across Asia, you've got a huge percentage of the population who have now confronted and experienced climate change. When I started out in this industry, we didn't think that was going to happen in our generation. We thought this was for our grandchildren, and now it's happening to us. Politicians... Um, Tend to be quite weird in how they respond to a number of issues, uh, climate change being one of them in terms of batting batting it about. But of course, they work only in four year cycles. Businesses do not. So of all the companies I work with, most of the Fortune 500, most of the FTSE 100 at some point I've worked with, they have to plan, particularly for capital expenditure, sometimes 20 or 30 years ahead. If you're going to build a factory, that's the length of time you want it to, to land. If you're going to build a building, if you're going to um, uh, create a new product line, you want it to last for a very long time. So you tend to find very, very, very little politicking around climate change in very large business. Um, as I always say, you never meet a climate skeptic in insurance, for example, they have access to the same um, sort of uh, science as politicians do. What you might find is them changing how they talk about it to go with the mood of the nation or the mood of the moment. So, um, uh, uh, and the other sort of big issue that you find with a lot of businesses is their increasing anxiety about being a victim of climate change themselves. Um, most large businesses have just in supply chains, where everything works on literally seconds where things come into the shop and they're on the floor within that moment, um, that people don't tend to hit, hold a great, uh, great deal of um, of stock anymore. And actually, an extreme weather event throws all of that um, uh, out of the window. So you're seeing, as well as a lot of anxiety around climate change, some anxiety about how to talk about it, you're also seeing business waking up to the fact that they should be part of the solution that um, uh, that's their job. Their job is providing solutions, is providing what we want. That's what businesses' job has always been. And of course, the biggest thing that we need right now is climate solutions. So you've got a lot of businesses who are not just seeing themselves as trying to do less bad on this. How do we reduce our carbon footprint? That's a given, that's a necessary. Of course, they must do that. But also trying to think about how they could do more good. Can they actually be the people who bring climate solutions to market? And that is not a (laughs) moral imperative for them that's hard-nosed capitalism that the businesses that produce solutions to climate change over the next 10 years are most likely to be the ones that thrive
0: and yet we have the oil and gas businesses lobbying the government to open up new oil fields which will have a life typically of 20 to 30 years surely they're they're pushing against the trend aren't they
1: so um The oil and gas majors around the world, um, and coal, of course, lest we forget, the the fossil fuel majors around the world, um, are a very unique and strange creature in the world that we have at the moment, which is very smart people who are very aware of climate change and see it coming, but who have convinced themselves that their industry needs to continue on the way that it has done um, forever. Um, And that they need to be at the forefront of that. Of course, they tend to be run now by quite older people. A lot of these companies are because, of course, the brightest and the best, the youngest, smartest engineers who used to go into fossil fuels because it was the most exciting and interesting engineering on the planet and now going to the tech companies. So actually, a lot of these companies have got a terrible problem with young talent. They just don't have it. They have a lot of older talent who've been with the business for a long time and they really struggle with own talent. But I think it's going to become increasingly challenging. Let's not talk about companies if they're a person. Let's talk about the people who work there. Increasingly challenging for the people who work in those businesses to square the circle on what they're doing. Um, and they're receiving a lot of criticism. They're being called out by name. A lot of them under a challenge publicly and from their own kids. But of course, we need them. They're smart, they're bright, they're excellent at what they do. We need them in renewables. We need them in the solution. So actually, rather than demonising the people who work in oil, gas and fossil fuels, I just want to recruit them into the solutions.
0: Yeah, that sounds great. Um, you, You talk about culture wars and green hushing green hushing? not heard that one before
1: it's um so at the moment in the u.s uh and you know part of a few terrorist workers we have offices in new york and in san francisco we do a lot of work in the u.s and in fact my mom's american so it's a it's a situation i know very well we have these very 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 extreme culture wars um and they are serious and they affect policy and we've seen we've all experienced it over the last five years and six years in terms of what that can mean on an international stage with Trump and Biden so a lot of companies are not changing anything which they're doing about sustainability because they have to and they're convinced and and they're preparing and you get a lot of very rational people working in business who realize that this needs to happen but they are increasingly concerned about talking about it too publicly. Um, And so that's where the green hushing comes in, which is where businesses don't want there to be a big Twitter cascade against them or don't want to have a whole load of um, nasty emails sent to them by some of the hard right, et cetera. And so you do get this issue around companies perhaps being slightly quieter than they were about sustainability or at least some companies. On the other side, you've got other companies who are speaking up even more so about this and who, are, who, are, who see their destiny in the young, in young consumers. So any business that waits towards younger consumers it tends to be louder and louder about sustainability and climate. But some of the um some of the, should we say the more conservative businesses themselves, and particularly those who appeal to older or who appeal to um uh cross partisan lines, consumers, being a little bit more careful about what they're saying, which is not just happening on climate. It's happening on LGBTQIA as well. It's happening on um, social and purpose work, that some businesses are continuing to do what they've done but being a little bit hushed about talking about it.
0: That's interesting. You probably heard about the weatherman in Iowa who was retained by his... um, TV station to talk specifically about climate change, but received death threats and has now moved away from the state. Yes.
1: It's actually really sad how climate change has entered the culture wars Um, uh, as a sort of, again, as you spoke earlier about it being sort of a ball that's that's thrown around. Um, But when I'm in the States and uh, my family's originally from Mishawaka, Indiana, so very much in one of those central um, central states, what you find is that the words climate change become a flash issue. But when you actually get down to the grain of it, when you start talking about renewable energies, you tend to find a great deal of support for renewable energies across party lines um, and a great expectation that the future is going to be renewable. When you start talking about healthy eating, you tend to find, and and particularly in terms of eating more plants, you tend to find overwhelming enthusiasm about these sort of things. Um, Composting, when you actually get down to the specifics rather than the politics, People tend to overwhelmingly support some of these activities and actions. So what a lot of folks in the US are doing now, what a lot of our clients are doing, is actually talking about the do, the action, not the why. Not least because, let's be honest, climate change is now communicating itself. It's taken over the job with these extreme weather events, which are just going to go in one direction for the foreseeable future, actually trying to convince anyone who doesn't think climate change is happening climate change is going to do that job for us it's actually the solutions that need our communications um and what we find is that there's much less of a culture war about the solutions than there is about the problem
0: well that's good news before we talk about your book uh let me just ask you what do you think about just stop oil are they going in the right direction or are they just an irritant
1: When we look at all social change movements um, and from the uh, women's suffrage through to um, uh, through to the civil rights movement in the US and many others uh, between there was never a consistency in the plan. There was always an extreme wing. Um, who often annoyed, irritated, frustrated the moderate wing in terms of what they were doing. So when I talk to folks in in uh, those who were in um, uh, extinction rebellion and the work that they did before and the just drop oil, they don't mind that people hate them as individuals. That's not their only job. Their only concern is to make sure that climate change does not slip out of the news. That's all they care about. And one of the things which they can show is that. Whilst survey after survey shows that everybody hates them, every time they do a stunt, concern about climate change goes up. And that's the only factor, the only number they care about is that people are people might like environmentalists a little bit less. But care about climate change a little bit more. So whilst, you know, I've been in, you know, I I live in London, I have to, I get stuck in traffic, I get stuck on undergrounds, like, that they have sometimes made my life quite difficult. Um, And I think that it makes talking to cab drivers a little bit challenging when you're talking about climate change, that in terms of their objectives, they are fulfilling their objectives um, perfectly.
0: That's very interesting. Now, your book is called The Solutionists, How Businesses Can Fix the Future. What does your book tell us?
1: (laughs) So um, I wrote my book for everybody, those of us who are working already in sustainability, those who are working in other jobs, those who are working in other sectors, but who sort of want to, in their work life, be able to make a difference, um, because we talk a lot about doing things in your own life, eating less meat, uh, 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 traveling less um, uh, by car, and by flight, etc. We talk quite a lot about perhaps voting in terms of um, what you care about on sustainability, teaching your kids about it. But actually, most of us spend most of our waking hours at work. And so I wrote the solutionists for your career whether you're in sustainability or not and how can you be part of the solution because there's lots of wonderful handbooks out there in terms of what a business can do but there's less about what an individual and what a person can do in their own work life so i wrote the solutionists for everybody who wants to do work that matters and to make a difference um uh in their career
0: great right. well thank you a final thought
1: Final thought is, um, as we all look around the world at the moment, it's very, very easy to be drawn into fatalism and to worry and into doom. Um, However, if that's the if that's the mindset that motivates you to take action, fine. But for most people, it's not. So remember, you're allowed to be happy. You're allowed to enjoy your life. You're allowed to have fun as long as we take action. So please, you know, a little bit less doom and a little bit more doom.
0: Solitaire Townsend, thank you very much for talking to the Sustainable Futures Report. Thank you so very much for having me. Thank you to Solitaire Townsend for some interesting thoughts and ideas. There's a link to that TED Talk on the Sustainable Futures Report website, and you'll also find a link to her book, which is available from all good bookshops. That's it for today. I have 11 people who have asked to appear on the Sustainable Futures Report. In fact, it's a lot more than that, but I have to turn many down as totally irrelevant. Although I've responded and engaged with these people, all but one have yet to suggest an interview date. The one who has, has chosen 23rd of August, so we won't be hearing from him for a while. It seems to be a very good idea for me to take the whole of August off, which I was intending to do, although I was hoping to have some pre-recorded interviews to schedule during that month. We'll see how it goes. In any case, there is no doubt there will still be wildfires, droughts, floods, heating oceans, polluted rivers and indifferent politicians come September. I'm Anthony Day. That was the Sustainable Futures Report. I'll be back soon.